today on CityCast Denver. Last fall, the little town of Louisville, nestled in the foothills west of Denver, became the first city in the state to require all newly constructed homes to have net zero greenhouse gas emissions. It was a big win for climate activists, and Louisville was proud to be pioneering this green path. But then, three months later... This morning, continuing coverage. Massive fires across Boulder County. No end in sight. Unfortunately, for myself and all the other neighbors, all the houses on Turnberry Circle are burnt down. And no count of the damage and loss. More than a thousand homes in Louisville, Superior, and unincorporated Boulder County burned to the ground. And that means more than a thousand homes need to be rebuilt. These codes require like the most expensive, modern, energy efficient windows, the most energy efficient heat pumps, electric vehicle charging stations in your house. Denver Post reporter Noel Phillips is back on the show today to talk through how we're deciding who pays for our climate change disaster. Today is Tuesday, March 8th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Welcome back to CityCast Denver. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So, Noelle, you've been reporting on the impact of the Marshall Fire from back in December. And specifically, you, you've talked a lot about the housing aspect. So I kind of want to go back to that day of the fire. Can you explain what happened sort of from a real estate perspective? Yeah, so I think everybody who lives in the front range knows what our housing situation is like and that rent is sky high. Um, Houses, uh, the home values, if you're a homeowner, just skyrocket and you just see the value going up and up and up. Uh, You know that it's hard to find a place to rent and it's really competitive. And so on December 30th, when the Marshall Fire ripped through Superior, Louisville, and parts of unincorporated Boulder County, it took out 1,084 residential properties. And so that's a, more than 1,000 homes in one community that's already expensive to live in. And it's devastating to people's personal lives. It's devastating to the housing market. So so I'm thinking about also the median home price in Louisville, right? We're looking at over $800,000. Correct. These are nice houses. Yeah. But not everybody, when people hear that, they think, oh, these are a bunch of rich people. That's not necessarily the case because there's a lot of people who bought their homes in the 90s when the communities first started being developed and now they're retired. That's their life savings. Yeah. No, and I think that's an important distinction too because, you know, it it kind of, it's not that it, the housing market got this way overnight. But like you're saying, if you bought your house in the 90s in Louisville, you weren't necessarily anticipating that the market would look the way that it does today. Right. Um, so what does this look like for that that retired couple or that family who lost their home? Like, what, what did people tell you? How are they handling this? Uh, it's just devastating. I've Whenever I interview a family who lost a home, it's a very long phone conversation. They're very open about sharing. I always ask people, tell me about your home and what made it special. And it's just really neat to hear, you know, some, you know, 
I loved the peach tree. I have saved enough peaches to have 12 peach pies, one every month until next harvest season. Um, we had 400 bottles of wine in our wine cellar that we'd been collecting since the 90s. Um, we had a great backyard for our kids. Like, it's just like people loved their homes and they were really comfortable there. They lived near their work. They lived near their children's schools. And then everything's gone and it's just so painful. And then there, on top of that, there's so much uncertainty. I mean, you can't rebuild until the property is cleared of all the ash and debris. And that hasn't started yet. We're two months out from the fire and the stuff's still laying in the ground in piles. Mm. And they don't know exactly when that's going to start because that contracting process is now turned messy. So um, everything is a mess. Did people find that they were underinsured or like, I mean, I feel like if my house burned down today, I, I don't know if my insurance would cover it. Probably wouldn't, Bree. Uh, since I've reported the story, I tell everybody I know that's a homeowner, go get your insurance double checked. Under insurance is a huge problem. Every single person that I've interviewed says, I don't have enough money in my insurance policy to rebuild my house in today's housing market. And that's coming from people who redid their insurance. So what's happening is the insurance companies, when you call, will say, Noel, we recommend you buy this much coverage. It's called dwelling coverage or coverage A in industry lingo. And so they might say it would take $300,000 to rebuild your house in today's market. So we're going to give you a policy for $300,000. A lot of families said we asked for more and we're told, nah, no, no, that's enough. Well, the Colorado Home Builders Association estimates for a 2,000 square foot house, it's I think 300 to $325 a square foot to rebuild. So my husband and I live in a 2,000 square foot in Arvada, and we did, that's like $700,000. We don't have $700,000. We couldn't sell our house for $700,000. Um, so it's, it's this like unprecedented, like super expensive housing market where there's a labor shortage, supply chain, chain delays, labor materials or lumbers through the roof. So it's just expensive to build a house. And then all these folks are like, we trusted our insurance agent to give us a proper quote and to tell us how much we needed. And now we don't have enough. And most people believe that they are hundreds of thousands of dollars short. Wow. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. So one of the big barriers in front of people in this situation in particular is that there's this new set of green building codes that Louisville implemented last year. Can you explain what those are and why wildfire survivors turned on them kind of pretty quickly? 
Yeah, so in October, Louisville City Council became the first city in Colorado to pass these updated 2021 Green Building Codes. They have some fancy bureaucratic name, but I just leave that out of my stories, and I'll leave this out of, that out of this conversation because <laughs> it's dry. But essentially, there's a requirement for net zero um, greenhouse gas emissions from your house. So every greenhouse gas element you release, you need to like minimize it and negate it somewhere else. So these codes have like require like the most expensive modern energy efficient windows, the most energy efficient heat pumps, air conditioning units, top grade insulation, electric vehicle plugs, charging stations in your house. You have to have solar, either solar panels or buy credits and buy into a solar farm. And that helps you get to that net zero limit. Um, And so no one's built a house under these codes, so they don't, nobody knows what it takes. The actual Um, cost, probably. The actual cost. So the city really wanted to keep these codes in place. And I think, you know, if we look look at it and not be partial to any side. You're like, well, green building codes were created to prevent greenhouse gas emissions. Greenhouse gases heat the planet. Uh, global warming is causing more frequent and intense wildfires, which is what happened in Louisville to have this devastating wildfire in December. And so like they're in this cycle and like it's a great goal. And before the fire, people in Louisville are like, yeah, we should do this. But then the fire wiped out 1,084 homes, and all of a sudden, and people are underinsured, and they're like, we don't have enough money to build our house back to what it was, and now we've got to do these building code upgrades, Um, and that's going to add to the price. Do we have any sense of how much this is going to cost? The city commissioned a study from the, I can't remember the name, I was like, Pacific Northwest something laboratory. It's a laboratory that falls under the U.S. Department of Energy. They did an analysis and they had two home builders who do green building and they gave out an estimate of how much more this would add to the cost. But then the Home Builders Association and other builders in town are giving different amounts of what it will add to the cost. So you've got everything from, well, it'll add about $7,000 to $20,000 $20,000 to $100,000. We don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. But it's a scary proposition if you already think, I don't have enough money to rebuild my house. Uh, so it's made people really upset. And so there was a rally a week ago Sunday to protest this. Um, the council meeting lasted five hours on Tuesday. A bunch of people spoke. I'm sorry if this sounds harsh. Um, we need decreased costs, not more. We are angry. We are hurt. We are upset. And um, you are adding insult to injury. You really are by not listening to us. And it feels like you have an agenda. I must say that I'm, I'm heartbroken to hear um, so many of my neighbors and community members pushing so hard to roll back the 2021 standards. We are in the midst of a climate crisis. And if we as relatively uh, well-off Louisville residents can't build back in a more sustainable manner, who is left to show the way? Ultimately, Louisville decided we're going to allow people to opt out. And they're 
staff is like writing a policy now on how fire victims can opt out of these green building codes because you like if your house didn't get destroyed in the Marshall fire and it burns down this week, you'll probably still be subject to the green building codes, which you can see that being a problem too, right? Um, and so like how that will work and then city council will come back and vote on it. Yeah. And that, that situation you're, you're kind of giving an example of right now, it's like if city council makes an exception this time, what happens for the next fire? Like, is there any conversation about that? Like what, where do we, when do we start working towards greener communities? Yeah, a couple of council members from Louisville expressed concern about that. Like, how do we tell? And one Louisville council member, her house burned down and she was still leaning toward, we should stick to these green building codes. Like, I understand. I lost my house too, but I foresee a problem in the future. Like, I don't think anybody's going to argue a developer comes in and wants to bend 10 new houses on this cul-de-sac that didn't exist before, that those need to be subject to the green building codes. But what if my house burns down? Right. It's different (laughs) when it's about me, you know? Right. And so there's this, like, conflict there. Yeah. It's not an easy decision. Like, I do not envy those Louisville City Council members at all. Um, And, you know, everybody's upset and they're grieving. And, you know, one of the stages of grief is anger. And you can start to see that in the community and who's going to get the target of that yeah the elected officials um it's just a terrible place to be in but the people and you know in lewisville you you get it right their their lives have just been turned upside down they don't have anything what do you think other communities might take away from this when they consider green building codes because i i mean this is something we are going to be consistently dealing with what what can we take away from the situation in Louisville? Well, I I think these green building codes are going to become more and more common, especially in a state like Colorado, where we have the wildfires. Denver's air quality is rotten. And I feel like more and more cities are going to be doing this. And in most cases, we I guess we hope that a wildfire doesn't destroy an entire or a large portion of a town like it did Superior in Louisville. I've had people say, though, just look at Telluride, Aspen, Vail, Steamboat. Look at how vulnerable those places are to wildfire. This could happen there. Um, I had one guy who's like a national expert on the debris cleanup. He goes, I go skiing in Colorado. I see the beetle kill. I know what that risk is. This is like almost a matter of time. That's what some people think. Mm -hmm. Well, Noelle Phillips, thank you so much. Yeah, glad to help explain this to everybody. And here's what else is happening in Denver today. Local music haven Twist and Shout is changing hands. But fear not, Denver music lovers. The new owner is Patrick Brown, a guy who has been with the record store since basically the beginning. Owners Jill and Paul Epstein are retiring after 33 years in the record business. Paul wrote in a Facebook post that Patrick assured him nothing would change. 
I don't know about you, but I'm very relieved that Twist and Shout is still in good hands. Speaking of Denver institutions, in a vague social media move yesterday, Von Miller tweeted, quote, I kind of want that old thing back, dot, 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 5280. The Denver Post reports that even though Miller was traded to the Los Angeles Rams less than six months ago, he will be a free agent as of next week. He then went on to post this in his Instagram stories. I want, I want to tease y'all like that, man. I'm just sitting back on the beach, man, waiting on it, man. Broncos country, what's up? What is up indeed, Vaughn? We want you back, baby! That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See ya! Why do our parents think we don't have jobs?